Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Today is Monday, December 28th, 2020. Uh, coming up on Roland Martin Unfiltered, broadcasting live from Atlanta, Georgia. We are in the stretch run. It is eight days until Election Day. We were here on the ground today covering Pastor Raphael Warnock and John Ossoff. We'll show you and hear from them from the rally they held at New Birth Missionary Baptist Church. Uh, we'll have that for you, plus my interview with the pastor of New Birth, Pastor Jamal Bryant. Donald Trump finally signs the bill for COVID relief, a $900 billion bill. But what about the whole issue still of $2,000 going to families? Republicans have rejected that. Trump says he wants it to happen. Democrats have said, we've been wanting this thing to happen. Folks, COVID-19 is still on our minds in D.C. The council has passed a bill that allows children to get vaccines without parental consent. A Prince Williams County, Virginia sheriff fired a deputy for his disturbing comments on social media. 
Also, a 71-year-old South Carolina man is suing the police there for detaining him while he was naked. In Columbus, Ohio, the police officer who killed a black man last week, he has been fired. Plus, the first black college president is being honored with a bust in Vermont. And today's crazy-ass white woman falsely accuses a black teen of stealing her iPhone. Wait until you see this video that has gone viral. We'll also be talking with the father of that young man. It is a jam-packed show, and it is time to bring the funk on Roller Martin Unfiltered. Let's go. Folks, we are broadcasting from Atlanta, Georgia, where we have been spending the last several weeks focused on the Georgia Senate runoff. Huge implications when it comes to these two seats. John Ossoff, Pastor Raphael Warnock, they are running against Senator David Perdue and Kelly Leffler, both Republican incumbents. If they win, of course, Democrats will control the United States Senate and Vice President Kamala Harris will break all tie votes. There were two events to take. Today, Pastor Warnock, he spoke in uh, Gwinnett County. We live streamed that particular event. And of course, uh, John Ossoff and Raphael Warnock both held uh, a concert and rally, a get out the vote rally at New Birth Missionary Baptist Church in DeKalb County. Uh, we're gonna hear a little bit later from Pastor Jamal Bryan. A lot of things have been happening going on here in Georgia. The folks at Black Voters Matter, they have been going to, the, to council meetings. They've been going to court battling efforts to frankly strike black folks from voting. Uh, they, of course, they fought, successfully fought Republicans who wanted to somehow dismiss 3,000 votes in Albany. Albany, Georgia, significant black population. In fact, I will be there tomorrow keynoting a get out the vote rally uh, taking place there in Albany. And so in just a second, I'm gonna be hearing from Cliff Albright, co-founder of Black Voters Matter, to give us an update on exactly what they have been able to do to fight back efforts to suppress black votes. Folks, everyone understands the nation's eyes are all on Georgia, these two critical races. And so that's why you see so much effort. Millions and millions of dollars are pouring into this state. Folks are raising money left and right, funding efforts on the ground. I've been talking to folks with the DNC, with third party groups who've been out there as I mentioned, Black Voters Matter, they have been really focused on what's been happening out there uh, in rural areas. The Black Church uh, Political Action Committee, same thing. They have been focused uh, out there as well. Jamal Brown, when you hear from him, he's involved with them. He told them, y'all completely ignore Atlanta. Go out to rural Georgia in order to get those black folks uh, energized and get them to vote. Here's the deal. Early voting ends this Thursday here in Georgia. Some counties, it ends on the 30th others on December 31st. But uh, the Ossoff and Warnock campaigns, they desperately want to get as many people, as many people locked in to vote early as opposed to January 5th 
which is Election Day. Let's now go to Cliff Albright, the co-founder of Black Voters Matter. As I said, they have been on the ground galvanizing folks, but also challenging Republican efforts to stop black folks from voting. Cliff, y'all have some good news about the latest effort where y'all beat back the oppressors. Yeah, yeah, Roland, thanks for having me. Yeah, basically today there were challenges in two counties down in, in Albany, Darty County, um, and also in Newton, Newton County, which is in South Metro Atlanta, uh, heavily black county. All, all of these counties were... Uh, looks like uh, we have uh, lost uh, Cliff Albright's signal. Uh, so let's do this here, folks. Let's get Cliff back on the phone. Let's, let's ignore the video. Let's at least get him on the phone with the audio uh, so we at least have uh, clear audio there. Uh, as I said, folks, uh, they've been battling efforts. Also, the Lawrence Committee for Civil Rights Under Law, other groups, have been challenging as many efforts as possible uh, by Republicans to shave uh, the margins here. Folks understand how important the black vote is. Black folks have been turning out in Georgia in a significant way, going to the polls, voting early. They are outpacing. They are outpacing black turnout from the November 3rd general election. That's how critical black turnout is. And so uh, young votes as well. Some 76,000 people who did not vote November 3rd, uh, they actually registered to vote in this runoff. Republicans have been trying to get those folks those ballots not to be counted. It means literally Senator David Perdue even said they wanted to isolate uh, those voters. Looks like we have Cliff Albright back with Black Voters Matter. Cliff, go right ahead. About that, Roland, as you can probably tell, we are actually on the Black Voters Matter bus right now, the Blackest Bus in America right now. So please excuse me for the reception. But yeah, I was saying that in two counties today, two counties where we do our work and where we have local partners, there was an effort the same effort that's been going on in county after county where they're trying to challenge voters on their addresses. County, which is where Albany is, as well as in Newton County, which is in South um, South Metro Atlanta area. In both of those counties, those efforts, they had emergency hearings today at their county courthouses. In both of those counties, those efforts were defeated. In the case of Doherty County, it was defeated three to one. In the case of Newton County, it was actually defeated two to one, which actually raised, you know, part of what Part of the story that's going on here, while there's something to celebrate in the fact that as they keep doing this in county after county, in um, county after county where they're challenging these voters, part of the story is that they're losing and those efforts are being defeated. But the other part of the story is this. In a lot of these uh, votes by these board of elections, it's close. It's two to one, right, in most cases. Sometimes it's three to one. There may have been a couple where it was unanimous. But what it's showing is that there are folks at this local level who even though this complaint and this voter suppression is frivolous and dangerous, you have some local officials that if they had their way, they would let them go forward with it. They would go forward with challenging these voters in spite of the fact that we are now uh, just one week away from a federal election. So showing that um, these efforts are not, you know, this is now part of the battles are now on the table. And that's something that's, that's a dangerous trend as we move forward. Um, and, and, and that's a great point, Cliff. And it also explains to people, again, why local control matters. We can, we can focus on Washington, D.C. We can focus on the state. 
but you cannot ignore the county level because that's really where elections are being controlled. No, exactly right. You know, and that, that's been something that I think within progressive circles that we've overlooked, especially in the South, we've overlooked a lot of these uh, levers of, of local power, these board of elections, these county commissions, school boards, some of these other boards, these authority boards, these utility boards, right? Those are all places where we can get local power over some real issues that control our lives. And we set the bench for all these other up because that's that's the bench that then decides who's going to be in the state legislature, who's going to be in Congress, who's going to be Senate, right, all the way on up. But when we ignore that local power, it creates a very dangerous situation. But I think in Georgia that there's a lot of folks, a lot of organizations that have learned that lesson and we're doing the work of building that power. And that's part of how we're being able to set back these voter suppression efforts. They can keep trying in all 159 counties if they want. It hasn't worked so far. It's not going to work. They can't stop the kind of turn that's taking place in the state right now. All right, Cliff Albright, uh, on the Blackest Bus Tour for Black Voters Matter. We certainly appreciate it, man. Y'all doing a great work. Uh, and again, we certainly uh, uh, congratulate y'all on what you're doing. And so uh, let's, uh, let's keep the pressure, keep it going. Thank you, Roland. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Folks, as I said, uh, two big rallies held today. Pastor Raphael Warnock was in uh, Gwinnett County uh, speaking there. We covered that event, but we also were at New Birth Missionary Baptist Church in DeKalb County uh, where they had a concert and get-out-the-vote rally. Both John Ossoff and uh, Raphael Warnock both spoke there. Here is some of that particular rally. We wind up with David and Kelly. Hey, say it with me now. Say vote. Say vote. See, we deserve better, DeKalb County, than two United States senators who saw a pandemic as a chance to enrich themselves but have blocked relief for the people they represent for eight months. We deserve better, DeKalb County. We will not forget that Senator David Perdue The same man who called his broker to buy medical and vaccine stock when he found out what was coming, opposed even the first round of $1,200 checks for his own constituents. David Perdue does not care about us. David Perdue does not care about us. And $600 is a joke, DeKalb County. You send me and Reverend Warnock to the U.S. Senate, we will put money in your pocket because the gas bill is due, the rent's overdue, the credit cards are maxed out. We are hurting through no fault of their own, and you deserve better. DeKalb County, say it with me now. Say vote. Say vote. See, the ballot box is where we hold those who represent us accountable. The ballot box is where we exercise our power as a people. And right now, Georgia has the power to make history. DeKalb County has the power to make history. Feel that power, DeKalb County. With nine days to go, eight days to go. Because this is about where we go next as a people. We have better and bigger things to discuss than David Perdue and Kelly Leffler. 
We have the power to write the next chapter in American history, DeKalb County, because Donald Trump is leaving. Donald Trump is leaving, and Georgia voters sent Donald Trump packing. You did that. Feel your power, DeKalb County. And as a black teenager growing up in the 1950s, she grew up picking somebody else's tobacco, somebody else's cotton. But because we live in America, because we are busy and engaged in the work of building a more perfect union, last week the 82-year-old hands that used to pick somebody else's cotton was able to pick her youngest son to be a United States senator from the great state of Georgia. Only in America is my story even possible. And so I'm honored in this moment. And I'm focused on the work that we must do together. Because there are folk who are engaged in division, in the politics of division and distraction. Folks who have no vision engage in division. They do not know how to lead us, and so they try to divide us. And it's our job right now to stand up and reclaim our belief in the American promise, e pluribus unum, out of many, one. We are one Georgia. We are one America. We are one people. And come January 5th, the people of Georgia are coming to get their seats back. Are you ready to win this election? We got work to do. And I'm ready to work. Are you ready to work? My parents instilled in me the values of compassion and hard work. I told you my mom grew up picking cotton in Waycross, Georgia. My dad was a veteran. Let's hear it for all of our veterans. Come on, let's hear it for the folk who stand up for us, who do the hard work. We've got to do more than cheer for our veterans. We've got to make sure that when they come back home, we act like we remember what they did when they were away. They shouldn't have to fight and just to get health care. They should not have to wait weeks and months just to get an appointment at the VA. We got to stand up for our veterans. Let's hear for them one more time. My dad was a veteran and a preacher and a small businessman. He preached at a small church on Gwinnett Street in Savannah on Sundays. But he spent most of his days picking up old junk cars and loading them on the back of a rig and taking them to Chatham Steel. And that's how he took care of his family, picking up old junk cars and old scrap metal that other folk had thrown away. And then on Sunday morning, 
the junk man became the preacher man and he preached to folk who themselves felt thrown away. And he reminded them that our God is a junk man who goes around picking up all the other folk that other folk have thrown away. Because God sees our value. And that's the gospel that he preached. It's the gospel that my friend and classmate from Morehouse College, Jamal Bryant, preaches from this church. Let's hear it for Reverend Bryant. That's the work we must do together. Speaking of Pastor Jamal Bryant, I got a chance to talk with him after uh, today's rally about how important these two races are in Georgia. All right, Pastor Jamal Bryant, uh, this is probably, out of all the rallies we covered, probably one of the largest uh, rallies here. How critical is this county going to be uh, for John Ossoff and Raphael Warnock? It is so critical, and all the more DeKalb County is the most overlooked county. Most people focus on Fulton, but DeKalb County is growing and mushrooming because our young adult population. And there's a whole lot of young people who have shown up in this place more than a whole lot of other rallies. Uh, and one of the things that we do know is that about 76,000 folks who did not vote November 3rd registered voting in this runoff, half of, half of them uh, are people of color. Yes, it's so critical. Atlanta erupted in May after the killing of Breonna Taylor and George Floyd, and many of the old guard didn't think young people would go to the polls, but they showed up in record numbers on November 3rd, and now they're believing that they're going to show up now. One million have already participated in early voting. This is going to be a turnout deal. You can run ads all day you want to, but this is also on the ground. Uh, and so folks who you're with, Divine Nine, others, yes. talk about what that ground game has been like. We're still doing it the old-fashioned way. People are going door to door. People are still going to barbershops, which you've seen in Atlanta. Nothing is closed. So we're going in the community, in the malls, in restaurants, because that high tech has got to match the high touch. Well, one of, and one of the things that uh, also we're looking at, black folks are going to be key. They're going to be critical in this, in this election. They're moving at a higher rate. But what I keep hearing is also the rural parts of Georgia, Albany, Columbus, yes. Macon, Savannah, uh, also driving the numbers there. I'm a part of the Black Church Pack in which I've told them, spend no time in Atlanta. It is the rural areas that need to support mobilizing those pastors. So we're in places like Noonan, Georgia, and Macon, Georgia, and Warner Robins, Georgia, because those are those areas, little numbers will make a big impact. And what has been the response with the Black Church Pack? I've seen their bus, they've been yes. traveling around. How has that been going? It's giving the church to come outside of the stained glass and come in the street corners. It's forcing the church to be its authentic, historic self. And so it's a great time for the church. And obviously in, the, in, in, this, in this COVID world, what's also happening is that uh, the church also, look, you don't, you don't have all of them coming and congregating. Yes. So they had no choice but to be digital. So they're going to really do the outreach to get people out voting. The irony is that you've got a black pastor running for Senate, which demands that the black church can't be on the sidelines 
it's got to be on the front line. You've interviewed me many times about the role of the black church, and now the black church has no option but to know you can't be a spectator. You've got to be a participant. All right, then. Pastor Brown, we appreciate it. Thank Let's you. do this. All right, folks, let's go to our panel. Dr. Avis jones Dweeber, she's a political analyst, Mustafa Santiago Ali, uh, of course, uh, uh, PhD, also a former senior advisor for the Environmental Justice EPA, Dr. Julian Malvo, economist, president emerita with Bennett College. Uh, I'll start with you, uh, Julian. Uh, ground, ground game, ground game, ground game. Eight days until Election Day, uh, three more days of early voting here uh, in Georgia, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Uh, this really is going to be about that point that Pastor Jamal Bryant just made. I know uh, these folks, these, these folks today, these Democrats, these, these political analysts, they love focusing on uh, phone calls and text messages and digital ads, things along those lines, but the reality is <clears throat> you've got to connect with people, go where they are, go into those places to get them to go out to the polls because this, when you say every vote matters, this could very well, this election could very well come down to uh, two, three, five, 10, 15, 20,000 votes considering Joe Biden won this state by less than 12,000 votes. Absolutely, Roland. This could be 1% of the vote. And I expect if it is 1% of the vote, they'll recount, recount, recount. But the fact is that Black folks have boots on the ground. You have Melanie Campbell, a National Coalition of Black Civic Participation. You have Latasha Brown. You have Felicia Davis. You have Black women and men, but I'm plugged into the sisters, who are literally turning it out. They're working 24-7. They're knocking on doors. As many people said, this high-tech thing, you know, I don't mean to be the old fogey. High-tech works, kind of. But the connection works a whole lot better than sending somebody an email. So if I knock on your door, as I go to your church, and we can't do that anymore with COVID, um, but if I knock on your door, if I meet you on a corner, um, you've made a connection. And we've seen people make connections, and that you see the turn high. Because typically, as James Clyburn has written in the Washington Post, uh, basically, runoff disfavor black people. But if we mobilize black people, we will turn out. And fingers crossed, we're hoping that they will turn out. The rally that you had with the brother Paul Bryant, amazing. Uh, the two candidates, amazing. The commercials that they put out, amazing. I especially like the one with the dog do uh, and the beagle. But amazing, making their point. Um, and meanwhile, little Miss Barbie lookalike uh, and the guy who won't debate. Um, and I forget their names. But in any case, those two are basically hiding behind their privilege. So we have to just give props to these courageous Democrats who can make a difference in the way governing goes down. Um, again, you know, w what we're dealing with here uh, really is uh, just about, uh, you know, again, uh, how uh, you get folks out to the polls. How do you begin to drive them uh, that's the piece. You know, you, when you look at uh, when you look at this uh, this video here, uh, this this is just some of the drone footage, uh, Mustafa, that we shot today. Uh, just to understand, uh, you know, they've been having these type of rallies, and look, these are important. Even though they, they they've been happening uh, in the daytime, they they really are important. 
because we've seen an increasing number. Uh, we were here uh, yesterday. We landed yesterday morning. John Ossoff did an event with black artists. Pastor Warnock had two rallies yesterday, uh, one at a church, one uh, in another part uh, of, of Metro Atlanta. And so when you see the people turning out, when you see these numbers, uh, you know, you, when you see uh, the, the focus and the attention, uh, and when you see the energy, that's what it requires. And they're telling people, you've got to call and text, let everybody know that they got to get out here and vote. Yeah, without a doubt. You know, black folks have been building the infrastructure for a decade now in Georgia for this moment, making sure that everything could come together, you know, and even without the resources that were necessary. And luckily now we have resources that are flowing. So now folks are putting all the pieces of the puzzle together. You know, there has been shared so going out the barbershop and salon and to the and to the rib joint, making sure that when somebody's standing outside to get those, that they also get the flyer or that they get that information that's necessary. Making sure when folks come to the supermarket, they're also making sure that they're talking to them then. So we understand that we now see, we see the gold line. We just gotta make sure that folks stay focused. And that doesn't mean just folks in Georgia. That means that everyone across this country who's watching this show, if you know somebody in Georgia, reach out. You, you can make sure that you're making a donation if that's the way that you can give back. You can be a part of the phone banks. You can do so many different things. So we don't have to be in Georgia to support folks in Georgia. We just got to listen to what they're asking us to do and then make sure that we get in line and do what they um, are telling us that will be very helpful in getting across the finish line. Um, and look, um, um, Avis, I mean, look, people are still out there raising money, trying to figure out what to do with it. I literally got an e email uh, about 20 minutes ago uh, from a group uh, in Texas, uh, and they had raised, you know, $3,500 or $5,000, and uh, they wanted to get it to the uh, Warnock and Ossoff campaigns. And I actually responded and said, and I said, don't send to the campaign, uh, send directly to third party groups who are putting people on the ground. And one of the things that they're doing, Avis, and this is really an economic deal as well. What they're doing is they're actually paying people $15 and $18 an hour to actually canvas because that's, mm -hmm. that's one of the deals there. And so when you, when you talk about these campaigns, look, the, you know, let me just be honest, the white political consultants, the white media buyers, they shouldn't be the only folks who make money off these campaigns. Campaigns are multi-million dollar operations. Some $463 million is gonna be spent on advertising in this state. So guess who's smiling? The Land Journal-Constitution, uh, the television stations uh, in Atlanta, in Decatur, in Augusta, in Savannah, in Macon. Oh, the TV and radio people. I saw one story where one local station general managers said they are plus two to three hundred percent of what they even projected because of how critical this state is. And so the money being raised, a group of alphas, uh, they're raising money. They're sending the money directly to third party groups to pay people directly to get out there and canvas. That's the level of intensity that we're seeing. Here we are eight days away and people are putting together 2,500, 3,500, 5,000, 10,000 saying, where can we send it to have maximum impact? You know, you hit the nail on the head there, Roland. And people really need to understand that elections are big business. Elections are 
big business. If you sort of blow that out to the presidential election, now we're talking in the billions spent, okay? So it is exactly the truth that there are millions, I think there's definitely over 100 million at least that I've heard that's just been raised on the side uh, of, of, the, of the left in this campaign. So you know the right has probably at least equal that. No, actually, in the last two months, Ossoff and Warnock have raised $210 million. Wow. That's just their campaigns. That's $210 million raised by the Ossoff and Warnock campaigns that's not counting groups, third-party groups. That's not Absolutely. counting PACs. You mentioned the Republican side. You've got uh, Republican billionaires like Steve Schwartzman, who's over BlackRock. He's given $15 million to Mitch McConnell's PAC. Uh, there's another hedge fund guy, Ken Griffin, I think that's his name. He's put in some $10 million. The Mitch McConnell PAC is going to put in $60 million in this state. Wow, I believe it. And so this is why it makes so much sense to make sure that we get money directly in the hands of those black organizations that will make sure it gets down to the people who are actually doing the hard work of getting out door to door, of being able to reach those people where they are, of making sure that the key constituency that will choose the next senators from Georgia, which is the black community, get a piece of that pie because that labor deserves to be compensated. And under normal circumstances, let's be real, you're exactly right. You have a whole bunch of white consultants who come down here and they make up, they make so much money uh, during the election period. They can just coast off of that money for the next couple of years until the next election. Even if they lose, the same people that lose get hired, ironically, again and again and again, just to keep losing. And so it's about time, it's about time uh, that we get compensated fairly for the work that we're doing. I'm not sure, I'm not saying that we're there yet, but we definitely deserve to get a huge piece of that pie because we're the ones that are going to bring it home. Uh, folks, uh, just so again, I told you that I'm going to be in Albany uh, tomorrow. I'm gonna, let's go to, uh, if you please, go to my, uh, go to my iPad tomorrow. Uh, we're going to be for a drive-up rally at the Sand Trap Club and Lounge. Now, y'all know uh, I might as well come there blasting my hole-in-the-wall music uh, if we go into the Sand Trap Club and Lounge. Uh, the uh, lot's going to open uh, at 1.30 p.m. The rally's going to be held from 2 to 4 p.m. Uh, at 1412 Radium Springs Road, Albany, Georgia. Uh, Erica Savage-Wilson, of course, uh, our Thursday panelist, she's actually from Albany. Uh, we're going to be hitting some other places uh, there. I'll be visiting some folks, uh, trying to get folks out uh, to vote again. That's really what our goal is. And then, of course, uh, on Wednesday, uh, Savannah, we're coming back. Uh, so, but first of all, we'll be doing the show tomorrow night from Albany as well. Uh, so we're looking forward to that. Uh, Savannah, y'all don't worry. I'm going to see y'all uh, on Wednesday. Uh, a rally taking place there from 3 to 4.30 in Savannah at Bethel AME Church, 1814 East 38th Street in Savannah, Georgia. Uh, that is being sponsored by Senator Lester Jackson and the Freedom Creek Foundation. And so it's all about encouraging our folks to get out the vote. So I'll be the keynote speaker at that event in Albany tomorrow and in Savannah uh, on Wednesday. And, uh, and going back to Julian, Julian, uh, again, 
not focus just on Metro Atlanta is critical. Uh, being able to rally our people uh, in Macon, in Columbus, uh, in Warner Robins, in Albany, in Savannah, in Augusta, these places that are not in Metro Atlanta, sure, Metro Atlanta makes up 60% of the population in this state, but the bottom line is this here. As you said, if it comes down to 1%, that means that means that if you that if that if you look at there are 159 counties, 159 counties are in this state. That if Joe Joe Biden won by less than 12,000 votes, but if you just say 12,000 votes, okay, uh, divided by 159 counties, that means that Joe Biden, just if just use a number, Joe Biden picked up 75 more votes per county than Donald Trump. Now, granted, we know it could have been a big swing, but the bottom line is, out of 159 mm -hmm. counties, that comes out to 75 extra votes per county. That's what we mean by every vote matters, Julian. Precisely. I mean, we look at the big cities, and of course, that man always wants to dismiss what happens in our big cities, but in rural areas, um, What's his name? Jamie Harrison in South Carolina has something called the Down the Road Pack. He talked about you have to walk down the road to get full participation. And that's what it's going to come down to in Georgia. We know that Metro Atlanta is very likely to mostly go for Biden. But what we don't know is the voter in one of these counties like Macon, who has never had an opportunity to touch a candidate or someone who has supported a candidate. And that person is going to be motivated by that touch. And so that's what, that's what we're dealing with. This is the best case, Roland, that we've seen in a very long time of every vote counts. And we can't afford to ignore a single vote, to dismiss the fact that this person is rural or white or um, Latino. We've got to go after every vote. This is, um, and people say this every time, this is the most important election. But if we look at the victory of Biden, it will not be actualized unless we can capture uh, that in Georgia. And that means literally going after every single vote. And there's a lot of money on the table, as Ava says. I mean, $400 plus million plus in ad buys, um, these packs, Mitch McConnell pack, other packs. But we've got our packs, too. And what we have that advantages us is the boots on the ground. We have folks like Latasha Brown and others who are not sleeping, who are riding on their buses, who are making sure that people understand what's at stake here. But we can't forget, and I love the fact that people all over the country are sending money to make sure that our people get paid, because we always are the volunteers. But if people are taking time off work, if people are pay folks, at least give them a little stipend so they don't have to sleep, you know, wherever. Um, so, no, we've got to go after every vote. All right, then, folks. So let's talk about this story uh, that uh, just really took up over the weekend. This suicide bomber, Anthony Quinn Warner, uh, who uh, killed himself in the bomb blast in Nashville that, that took that, shut down an entire block, uh, has really uh, damaged a significant number of businesses. But what's really strange here, Avis, is, is how these white folks in media are describing this guy. They are afraid to say white domestic terrorist. Now, let's be real clear. If a Muslim, <laughs> if a Muslim 
had set off a bomb in an RV in a major American city. I think Trump might go maybe one minute without mentioning it. Has he said anything about this bomber? Nope. But it's amazing how they won't call this guy a terrorist. If you blow up an RV in an American city, you are a terrorist. You are a suicide bomber. You are a suicide bomber terrorist. They won't even use the language, Avis. No, and, and it's not surprising because we see this every time. White violence is always excused. White violence is always minimized. White violence is always, quote-unquote, justified. Uh, they want to provide some sort of angelic image of this person who committed this terroristic, violent act. And it happens over and over and over again. The reality is uh, the vast majority of individuals who perpetrate domestic violence to the extent of terrorism in this country are white men. And the overwhelming majority of them specifically are white men who, uh, who align with white supremacist ideology. The vast majority of terroristic attacks that have taken place on this soil have been perpetrated by white men. Yet when these things happen, you see law enforcement, you see the media go out of their way to contort themselves into all sorts of verbal theatrics to get out of calling a thing a thing. That was a terroristic act. That was a terrorist who it seems was also a Trump supporter, which is probably another reason why you're not going to see Trump say anything about it. He has radicalized millions of people in this country. And if you think that that sort of damage is going to leave with that administration, unfortunately, I think you should have another thing coming. Mustafa, um, look, the, it, it was certainly uh, scary as all get out. A couple of folks were injured. Uh, they did recover uh, this terrorist body uh, in the rubble uh, as well. They're still trying to uh, investigate all different angles, assess motive as well. But look, uh, a lot of people are talking about this growing chatter of what I have been saying for 11 years, white fear. I have been saying these white folks are losing their mind. They're showing it now. A lot of people are saying that things could get really scary after the electors are certified on January 6th, especially if Trump keeps uh, doing what he's doing. And everything that you've been sharing, everything that Avis just shared, also goes along with what the FBI has been saying. The FBI has been saying that domestic terrorism in the United States of America has continued to increase year after year after year, especially under the Trump administration. Of course, they like to put a different label on it, a different narrative that's surrounded by this. But that's why we got to pay attention to it. Not only pay attention to it, we got to continue to put a spotlight on it and then hold people accountable. So the Department of Justice has to make sure that they're getting engaged. Homeland Security has to make sure that they're getting engaged along with the FBI and, and making sure that we don't allow these extremist groups or individuals, such as the suicide bomber, to be able to find fertile ground. And of course, we know Donald Trump has been feeding into that mindset. And as Ava said, said, you know, has actually been, you know, playing with people's minds and getting them to do things that maybe they might not have done 
if they hadn't had this fuel that was placed underneath of them. So we got a lot of work to do. We got to stay very focused on this issue because, as you said, Roland, we got some serious, serious times we're about to go into in 2021. And if we don't keep pushing, if we don't keep holding people accountable, we're going to have more lives that are going to be lost. Simple as that. Uh, Juliana, uh, these are white domestic terrorists. The FBI said the group that we had better be concerned about are these white domestic terrorists. But America does not want to call these people what they are. Not at all. And yet, remember, I guess a couple of years ago, the FBI talked about black identity extremists. And they put something out there. We, we, we were all because black identity extremists because we were black. Well, black folks are not running around um, doing the stuff that this guy did in Nashville. They don't want to use the word because the word is defining. As Avis said, Jim, they don't want to call a thing a thing. They want to make excuses, just like the little white boy they took to Burger King after he shot up that church in South Carolina. So he had to get something to eat. Now, how many times has a black person who's done anything got himself a Popeye's chicken? Just for the record. All I'm saying is that these folks do not want to deal with reality, which is why it's so important that President-elect Biden pick the right person to lead uh, the Justice Department as Attorney General, why he chooses the right person to be an assistant Attorney General for civil rights. It's really critical that he get out of this narrow box of Merrick Garland, leave him on the court, he does a good job there, and really talk about someone who's gonna really expand the base around these things, to have us talk about these things. This is absurdity, some fool leaves a bomb outside of a building. Uh, people, I was watching the other day, people are running out of their homes, people are confiscated, people have their PJs on, um, and they're told to evacuate right away. What is this? This is the mind manipulation of a warped human being who no one has called on his stuff. Well, uh, we are paying attention to all of these uh, ladies' developments. Uh, Avis, I know you have to go. We certainly appreciate you joining us today uh, on Roland Martin Unfiltered. Thank you so very much. Uh, folks, when we come back, we're going to talk COVID-19. Trump finally signs the bill. Also, what's happening right now, uh, Congress is voting to override Trump's veto of that defense bill because he objected to the renaming of Confederate bases, uh, for military bases, named after other white domestic terrorists known as Confederate leaders. All of that next, Roland Martin Unfiltered, broadcasting live from Atlanta, Georgia, where we are on the ground covering the Georgia Senate runoff elections. Back in a moment. Daring to demand the right to vote for black Americans in Selma, Alabama, 55 years ago, John Lewis was nearly killed as he and hundreds marched across this bridge. That movement's courage secured the Civil Rights Act and the Voting Rights Act, but the promise of equal justice in America remains unfulfilled. So together, we'll fight for a new Civil Rights Act and a new Voting Rights Act to ensure equal justice for all, no matter the color of our skin, to end racial profiling and police brutality, and to stop anyone from suppressing the sacred right to vote. Congressman Lewis gave me my first job. He instilled in me the conviction to fight for justice. He said to never give in, never give up, keep the faith, and keep our eyes on the prize. 
I'm John Ossoff. I approve this message. Too many people struggled, suffered, and died to make it possible for every American to exercise their right to vote. When you're 22, you absolutely do not expect to be diagnosed with cancer. You know that it can always come back. And that's why I'm supporting Raphael Warnock, because he understands that healthcare is fundamental to people's lives. I'm sick and tired of being represented by people who are actively working to take away my health care. Raphael Warnock fights for people. That's what he cares about. I'm Raphael Warnock, and I approve this message. We learned early in Sunday school that thou shall not steal, thou shall not bear false witness, thou shall not have no other gods before me. Raphael Warnock's opponent seems to have forgotten these basic Sunday school lessons. Her gods of greed, her lies about Pastor Warnock, and her shady Wall Street practices are evidence of this and on january the 5th let's bear witness that greed lies and shady dealings don't represent georgia let's send raphael warnock to the u.s senate to fight for the least of these and not wall street billionaires You are leading the way for the rest of this state. And we believe that this state is on the verge of shocking the entire country. is hinging on one seat and there's only one race left that's right this will literally be the epicenter of the of the entire country right so we, we ready music has an ability to be able to help us feel connected and that's because music has a way of speaking for the spirit and it is the spirit we're going to change this country with. It is going to be standing in a space of our power and in the fullness of our spirit of love and the spirit of humanity. That is what's going to transform America. If your vote didn't matter, you wouldn't have so many people trying so hard to stop you from voting. There is some value there. But even when you talk about that people are not paying attention to your issues, I can't pay attention to your issues if I don't even know you're there. And the only reason people are going to know you're there is when you show up to the polls and vote. That's when that power manifests itself. But as long as you stay at home, as long as you're making excuses, then guess what? You will always experience these issues that we're experiencing today. And another thing, don't get caught up in the candidates. 
right? There's, there's, there's no such thing as a perfect candidate, but you should be going to vote for the most important person, and that is you and the one you love. You talk about you, you're, you'll fight for the one you love. You're willing to die for the one you love. You need to ask yourself, are you willing to vote for the one you love? Because if you don't, there's going to be somebody's neck on yours pretty soon. All right, folks, welcome back to Roller Martin Unfiltered. Go to my iPad, please. Uh, House passes stimulus check boost as Republican splinter. That is the headline on Politico, where a few moments ago, by 275 vote margin, 275 people voted for the bill. All Democrats voted to, for the $2,000 checks to American tax uh, payers. Uh, also, guess what? Republicans crossed the line. Now the question is, Will Mitch McConnell uh, follow the lead? Trump has said 2000, 2000, 2000. He says he, he cut a deal with the Senate Republicans. Let's actually see. Uh, the other thing is this here, uh, Julian and Mustafa. This puts lots of pressure on David Perdue and Kelly Loeffler in this state because the question is, will they vote for it? <laughs> Mustafa, you first. You know well, I guess we'll see. You know, they have not been strong supporters of anything that's been COVID-related. Um, so my expectations of them has never been that high. But they continue to go down each and every day on a basic humanity level. Um, by not doing, you know, by not supporting it, you're pretty much, you know, cutting your own throat. And I hate to say it that way, but you really are, because everyone across this country is hurt. And, and folks need relief. And if you're not willing to give folks serious relief, why should they give you their vote? Well, you know, Mustafa, everybody's uh, not Mitch McConnell. But Julian, here's the deal. Mitch McConnell is going to be also in the pickle because he's got Republicans in his uh, caucus who do not want to support this. All of a sudden, they care about the, the, the deficit. But he also knows mm -hmm. this could be really painful to Leffler and Purdue. If they're going around Georgia, here you have uh, Leffler, the richest member of Congress, saying, nah, Americans, y'all good with $600, not $2,000. They're going to have to answer the question. And then they're going to have to answer the question, do they even agree with Mitch McConnell if he chooses not to bring the bill up? So uh, this could actually hurt them in Georgia. Oh, it absolutely will hurt them. The only challenge that, I mean, the interesting thing, Mustafa said everybody's hurting. No, everybody is not hurting. There are a whole bunch of Americans who are doing quite fine, thank you. The top uh, 45 of the Fortune 50 companies have their profits up. So anyone who's holding stock in those companies is making more money. And this is where we see the bifurcation. We see about nearly a million, 850,000 people a week uh, filing for new unemployment claims. We see... Um, you, we've all seen the lines snaking around corners. We've seen this new term, food insecurity, which to me just means hungry. Uh, but we've seen this new term being bandied about quite a bit. And so there are those who are hurting. But there are those like little Miss um, Barbie, I think her name is Kelly, who um, is doing quite fine. So Mitch McConnell is sitting somewhere between a rock and a hard place. 
he knows what American people need, but he also knows what his investors, what his wealthy people need. And he has not heretofore been inclined to push anything that was helpful to people that are at the bottom. And the bottom now means the bottom 60%, which means more than half of us. So it, it's going to be very challenging. And um, I hope that I hope that um, Warnock and Oslov make the most of it in terms of their messaging and commercials. Folks, uh, coronavirus is dominating so many different conversations. Of course, we continue to see how uh, it's impacting this country. A bill, though, passed by the D.C. Washington, D.C. City Council last week has gotten some, some folks upset. It would allow children as young as 11 years old to get vaccinations without their parents' consent. The law says that if a doctor determines that a minor is capable of informed consent, they will be able to seek government-recommended vaccinations if their parents object to on religious grounds. They can also get vaccinated against the human papillomavirus, which is recommended for older children. Some parents oppose it because the virus is sexually transmitted and they object to their teenagers having sex. The bill was pushed by Councilmember Vincent Gray, who was the chair of the health committee, was approved 12 to 1 with a one holdout being Councilmember Trayon White to become law. The bill has to pass a second vote by the city council and then go to Mayor Muriel Bowser for her signatures. Uh, any concern here at all, um, Mustafa, with someone as young as 11 years old making the argument against their parents' wishes to get the vaccination? Smart, smart law, bad law? I think it's a slippery slope. Um, you know, there are some 11-year-olds, some probably some 10-year-olds, you know, who are mature. Um, but, you know, the majority are, are still developing. So for someone to supersede, you know, a parent um, and make decisions for that. And then because I've worked with so many folks in the public health world and the medical world, I know how busy they are. I don't know if they're going to spend enough time with a child, and I, I want to reinforce that with a child, to actually know where that child is sort of in the developmental process. So I, I'm, I have some real concerns about this. I want everyone to be protected, whether it's from sexually transmitted diseases, whether it's from COVID or whatever it might be. But, you know, I think there's more thought that needs to go into this and make sure there's, there's some other stop gaps that are there uh, to make sure the parents you know, have the opportunity to fully participate in the process. Julian, good law or bad law? Bad law. Uh, first of all, with the COVID, we have not had enough testing of people. They, the I think the Pfizer says over uh, 16. I, I may have it wrong in the Moderna, over 18. So if you're going to let an 11-year-old choose to take a virus, uh, a vaccine that has not been tested on their age group, very, very bad law. With the human popolava, I, I have a different feeling, but I also think parents need to be essentially consulted. I love Vince Gray. His, his heart on public health is in the right place, but I think this is a law that goes in the wrong direction. All right, folks. Uh, let's talk about uh, this, uh, this, story, this story here in Vermont, where black residents make up only 1.4% of the population. An initiative to recognize local history makers from the region has led to the creation a bust to honor Martin Henry Freeman, the first black president of the college in the United States. A sculpture in Freeman's likeness has been installed in downtown Rutland. He was born in Rutland in 1826 and went on to become the president of the all-black Allegheny Institute and Mission Church in 1856. The school is now known as Avery College.
certainly uh, that's a big deal there. So congratulations to all the folks there. All right, folks, a Prince, Williams, a, a, a Prince William County Sheriff deputy in Virginia was fired during the Christmas holiday for posting disturbing comments on a conservative social media site. Prince William Sheriff Glendale Hill launched an investigation into Deputy Aaron Hoffman's post Christmas morning. Hill found some of the comments posted under Hoffman's account uh, advocating for violence, including violence against Chief Justice of the United States, John Roberts, for allowing the dismissal of a case seeking to overturn the results of the presidential election. Hoffman claims he did not post these threatening messages to social media and that his account was hacked. Hmm. I'm not really buying the hacked argument, Julian. I'm, 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 I'm just, I'm kind of not buying that one. I don't think any of us are, Roland. I mean, I think that um, this is the excuse when you get busted doing something. Well, then you're uh, a captain officer, a law enforcement officer with even a justice of the Supreme Court is very, very troublesome. This is the kind of mess that has been unleashed by that man. So you have someone putting bombs in vans in Nashville. You have a sheriff, a sheriff. You know, I can't even say it enough times. A sheriff threatening the Supreme Court uh, chief justice. When Rob Roberts is hardly, you know, H-rap radical, he is uh, kind of juggling. So, no, I'm, I'm not buying it, and he needs to be fired, and probably that's the nicest thing that could happen to him. Uh, folks, speaking of firing, uh, today in Columbus, Ohio, um, uh, the officer who shot and killed Andre Hill, uh, the brother in Columbus, has been fired. If you go to my iPad, please, uh, this is the headline right here on the Columbus Post-Dispatch. Uh, their website, safety director, fires officer who fatally shot Andre Hill, calls use of force unreasonable. Uh, we had the mayor of Columbus on last week. He was very angry with what took place here, also angry. This cop also did not have his body cam footage on. Uh, it has been um, shocking and stunning to, to look at that video of Andre Hill. 1.30 in the morning, the cops get a call. They say it's too, they're hearing this noise in this garage. He's in his garage, cops come on the scene, he walks out, uh, and he's literally carrying a cell phone. Shots are immediately fired, he is killed. Uh, ben Crump actually tweeted out today, uh, let me pull this up, uh, he tweeted out that there was been an autopsy has, has been performed uh, on uh, him as well, and he said, the uh, right here, the tweet says, uh, coroner confirms Andre Hill was shot multiple times and his cause of death was homicide. Mustafa, that's obviously important, uh, that medical examiner's uh, determination. Well, what else could it be but homicide? Man was on his own property, in his own garage, working on a car, whatever, and then you have folks who come in and shoot you. The reality of the situation is, is that if you or I or any of the viewers here today shoot somebody, that there are, there are repercussions for that action. Police have to be held to the exact same level of accountability that everyday folks are. And until we get to that, until police unions are willing to also do the right thing, we're going to continue to have these types of egregious behaviors that continue to happen, and we're going to continue to have this genocide that continues to happen to black and brown people across our country.
It also, Julian, it, 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 it's really important, I think, here, the reaction from the mayor. Because from the, from the jump, he expressed outrage at this shooting and called for this officer to be fired. Typically, what happens is you got elected officials who will run for cover and make excuses for officers so they don't piss off the police union. Well, there's an increasing amount of egregiousness in what's happened uh, to many unarmed black people, especially black men, and the police union's um, protection of any kind of crime. And so I think the mayor's reaction was right on time. But I think that what this really calls for is an examination of what these police unions stand for, uh, why they protect people who do not deserve protection, why they ignore people who do deserve protection, and how uh, some of these... I, 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 you know, I'm a labor economist, so I believe in unions and all of that. But you cannot have unions hold people to unreasonable standards. You shoot somebody and you get a pass? No. Heck to the no, to the no, to the no. And so I think that we... The bigger question, and which is why I'm so interested in what uh, President-elect Biden will do with justice, the bigger question is... What can, how can we hold these police unions accountable? Not just the officers, but also the unions who will basically defend anybody, anything. Yep. Let's talk about a case in South Carolina where a 71-year-old Jethro Devane is suing the city of Rock Hill after he says police ordered him out of his home and held him at gunpoint while he was naked. In 2019, Devane says he was sleeping when he saw officers shining a flashlight through his window. Well, the 71-year-old got up and opened the back door to investigate. The officers were searching for four juveniles. But when they saw Devane's door was open, they aggressively ordered him out of his home. In body cam footage, you can see an officer order Devane out of his home and hold him at gunpoint for 90 seconds. Devane is suing Rock Hill for gross negligence, civil assault and battery, um, intentional infliction of emotional stress, and outrage. False imprisonment, abusive process, civil conspiracy, and state constitutional violations. is also demanding a formal apology from Rock Hill Mayor John Geddes. Mustafa? Sue him. He should continue to sue him for everything that they're worth. You know, you got an elder who's there. And if you know that the elder was not involved with the four young people who they said was going on, that, you know, that's neither here nor there. They continue to do these types of things that are inhumane. At a minimum. So I say that you should continue the case and make sure. And here's the other thing that I want the viewers to also know about this case is that they actually, when this was brought to their attention, they decided to, to drop it. And then they also had um, one of the uh, police chiefs or someone who uh, had a conversation with them and said that he needed to stop sleeping in the nude. That's, that's the level. Of, of seriousness that they put on this gentleman's life and the situation that he had to go through. So sometimes the only way you can get folks to, to get some do right is by actually hitting them in the pockets. The problem with that is that lots of times that comes from taxpayer dollars instead of from the folks who are doing these infractions and these dehumanizing um, types of actions against uh, black folks. So I'm all for I hope he gets every dime that he's entitled to. If he wants the apology, that's great. 
he has every right to ask for that. But hit them in the pockets until they actually do the right thing. Julian, just like the woman uh, in Chicago, where they just like the woman in Chicago, where they busted into her apartment um, in two thousand nineteen. I'm just again, I, I don't recall often seeing white women uh, butt naked being hailed at gunpoint by cops. It's just very interesting how it's consistently black people. It's the dehumanization of black people. It's the reenslavement of black people. It's why we have a slogan that says "Black Lives Matter." It no matter what happens. It would not have taken one of those officers a minute to go and give the man a robe. So this was about dehumanization. Go get his robe. I mean, if you really thought there was something wrong, just go and... And so the comment that he shouldn't sleep in a nude is specious. Probably a third of all Americans sleep in a nude at some point or another. Um, I don't have any statistics on that. I'm just guessing. But in any case, Mustafa is right. Sue him. Soom, soom till it hurts. But it doesn't hurt the individual unless they have some culpability. So if the city has to pay, let's say, I don't know, whatever, make the officer, offending officer, pay one or two percent of it. So the city has to pay fifty thousand dollars, make the officer pay five thousand dollars of it. If you if you hit that officer in his pocket, he or she will understand that this is just unacceptable. And then the whole notion of the apology, eh, people have apologized for slavery, they didn't do anything, there are no reparations. But the first thing that should have come out of that mayor's mouth was we apologize for the inappropriateness of this. That should have been the first thing out of their mouth. But again, black lives don't matter, as you say, Roland, you would not see a white woman or, you know, a white man being paraded around uh, nude. And so why does it happen to black people? Because we were paraded around nude before. We parade around nude on auction blocks. And some people want to take us back there. And that's why it matters. All right, folks, got to go to a break. We'll be back in just a moment on Roland Martin Unfiltered. This is Dr. Jamal Harrison. Bryant. your vote matters. It's coming down to the finish. And this will be every vote counts and so i'm charging every person in georgia make sure you vote because it'll be your vote that'll send two senators to washington dc Georgia, I know things are tough right now, but I want you to know help is on the way. My administration is preparing to beat COVID-19 and get economic relief to the American people. On day one as your president, I'm prepared to sign a COVID relief package that fully funds the public health response needed, led by Georgia's own CDC. It will ensure free testing and vaccination for every American, and will get small businesses the assistance they need right now. Let me be clear, I need Raphael Warnock and John Ossoff in the United States Senate to get this done. There are folks in Congress threatening to do everything in their power to block our efforts. 
We need you to get out there and vote for John Ossoff as well as Raphael Warnock. We need them in the Senate. God bless America and may God protect our troops. I'm Raphael Warnock. And I'm John Ossoff. And we, we approve this message. message. ready to launch our We Got Power Tour. Cliff and I are going on the blackest bus in America. We're hitting the streets again. We're going to be going through at least 12 states, maybe more. I'm just really excited. Now, it's a little bit different this time because COVID-19, we've got to wear a mask, we've got to be socially distant, but we are very committed that we've got to get in the streets and inspire and encourage our people in ways that are socially distant. Ready to hit the road, ready to see our folks, ready to be socially distant, ready to mask up. On our way to Pennsylvania, we'll be there for two days, and then we're headed to Ohio to Cleveland. We're gonna be just spreading a lot of love and building a lot of power. We're going to be out here on the ground in these streets because our people need us. Can't stop, won't stop. Register to vote. You can even request your online vote by mail ballot by clicking the link or by scanning our QR code with your camera. Vote early. Vote today because we got power. I'm Chrisette Michelle. Hi, I'm Chaley Rose, and you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. A few hours ago, Joe Biden, President-elect Joe Biden, gave a speech talking about the importance of foreign policy. Uh, here is what he had to say earlier today. Before I begin, I want to say a few words, a few brief words about the explosion that took place uh, Friday in Nashville, Tennessee. Federal, state, and local law enforcement uh, working around the clock to gain more information on motive and intent. This bombing was a reminder of the destructive power that an individual or a small group can muster and the need for continuing vigilance across the board. I want to thank the police department in Nashville, particularly those five police officers who worked so quickly to evacuate the area before the explosion occurred, risking their own lives. And for all the firefighters and first responders who jumped into action early on that Christmas morning, last Christmas morning, their bravery and cool-headedness likely saved lives and prevented a worse outcome, and we are internally grateful to that law enforcement agency. And uh, I know the hearts of all Americans are the people of Nashville as they rebuild and recover from this traumatic event. Now, Vice President Harris and I along with our nominees to lead the national security institutions, have just been briefed by some of the professionals who have been conducting agency reviews as a part of our transition. This is a long-standing part of the orderly transition of power in American democracy. We welcomed teams from the incoming Trump-Pence administration four years ago, 
gave them access to all that we had. And over the past few weeks, teams of genuine policy and management experts, many of them previous government experience who have gone into agencies across the government to conduct interviews with personnel, to uh, gather information, and to assess the state of the federal government <coughs> excuse me, that we will shortly inherit. These teams worked under incredibly difficult circumstances, taking COVID-19 precautions and waiting weeks for the ascertainment, meaning that so they could go in and be clear, cleared to go in. But uh, they have done an outstanding job. For some agencies, our teams received exemplary cooperation from the career staff in those agencies. From others, most notably the Department of Defense, uh, we encountered obstruction from the political leadership of that department. And the truth is, many of the agencies that are critical to our security have incurred enormous damage. Many of them have been hollowed out in personnel, capacity, and in morale. In the policy processes that have atrophied or have been sidelined, in the despair of our alliances and the disrepair of those alliances, in our absence from key institutions that matter to the welfare of the American people, in the general disengagement from the world, and all of what makes it harder for our government to protect the American people, to, uh, to defend our vital interests in a world where threats are constantly evolving and our adversaries are constantly adapting. Rebuilding the full set of our instruments of foreign policy and national security is a key challenge that the Vice President-elect Harris and I will face upon taking office, starting with our diplomacy. Today, we heard from the leaders of the state and USAID agency review teams about the critical early investment we're going to need to make in our diplomacy in our development efforts and in rebuilding our alliances to close the ranks with our partners and bring to bear the full benefits of our shared strength for the American people. When we consider the most daunting threats of our time, we know that meeting them requires American engagement and American leadership, but also that none of them can be solved by America acting alone. Take climate change, for example. The United States accounts for less than 15 percent of the global carbon emissions. But without clear, coordinated, and committed approach from the other 85 percent of the carbon emitters, the world will continue to warm. Storms will continue to worsen. Climate change will continue to threaten the lives and livelihoods and public health and economics of our existence and our, literally, the very existence of our planet. We've learned so painfully this year the cost of being unprepared for a pandemic that leaps borders and circles the globe. If we're going to, if we aren't investing with our partners around the world to strengthen the health systems everywhere, we're undermining our ability to permanently defeat COVID-19, and we're leaving ourselves vulnerable to the, the next deadly epidemic. And as we uh, compete with China, the whole China. All right, folks, I, I wanted to uh, dip out of that. Um, I want to go to Julian. First of all, Julian, it'd be great to have a person who occupies the White House who actually knows how to complete an actual sentence. Um, <laughs> there are some significant 
uh, foreign, foreign policy issues that we're going to have to deal with. One of the things that Joe Biden has said is that he is going to immediately enroll America back into the, uh, uh, the uh, Paris uh, Climate Accord. Uh, but also, uh, it is going to take a whole lot to actually, uh, and I expect uh, his Secretary of State, uh, I expect uh, for um, President-elect Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris to do a whole lot of work also restoring the trust in uh, the word of America to foreign leaders across the globe. Our international um, reputation has deteriorated. We have uh, lied. Uh, we have withdraw, withdrawn, reneged on deals. So the uh, Paris Climate Agreement is just one of many. Uh, withdrawing from the World Health Organization. Um, there's so many things that have been done that the Biden-Harris administration has just a yeoman's amount of work to do to just get us back to where we were in 2016. Not to mention that the world has changed. So getting back to 2016 doesn't do anything about the changes that have taken place in the past four years. The climate change issue is a huge issue, especially for our young people, but frankly for all of us. And we see it in terms of weather every day. But there's so many other issues where uh, 45 had just ignored, I mean, just came in with a wrecking ball, literally with a wrecking ball and ignored any kind of international protocol. And so it's going to be challenging for Biden and Harris to restore that. But I believe they're equal to the job. And I believe that as you heard Biden talking about, literally the way that people have been let go in the uh, international agencies reduction of the budget of USAID. There's so many things that were done essentially because we want to make America great again. Well, America cannot be great unless the world is great, unless we play nice ball with the rest of the world. And he was just not interested in doing that. It's going to be a hard job, but it's a doable job. To that point about the Paris uh, Accord, uh, Mustafa, that is uh, obviously a subject. Uh, near and dear to you. That is going to be uh, really important because America has no choice but to lead when it comes to the issue of climate uh, over uh, the next four years with Biden and Harris. I suspect that is going to be a significant part of their focus uh, in terms of the administration. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that on day one that they will make moves right there because that's the baseline, really. That's the basics that you got to have in place. You know, we're the only country on the planet uh, who decided not to be a part of the Paris Climate Accord. But of course, we understand going back to where we are or were is not enough because, you know, the IPCC and the National Climate Assessment, what that is, is the top scientists around the world have told us that we're literally running out of time. And what you'll see is, you know, this COVID-19 pandemic, there will be other pandemics that will be associated with you know the the changes that are going to happen because of temperatures increases and movement of people and species and all these other types of things that will you know move into that and you know uh, president elect biden uh and, and president elect vice president kamala harris have a huge job in front of them both on the international and domestic you got two million federal employees you got 439, I believe it is, agencies and sub-agencies and departments that all play into not just climate change, but also our, our economy That's and the international right. accords that are there. So all of that comes together that they have to be able to get their arms around it. I just want to remind viewers again that the Trump administration has delayed and delayed and 
late, those briefings, and those critical sets of conversations that help people to get prepared uh, for this huge job that they have over the next four years, hopefully eight years. Well, it just goes to show you dealing with people who have no integrity whatsoever, when they don't even want to uh, don't even want to have a proper transition, uh, because they don't believe they lost, and that's one of the things that you're actually seeing. You're going to see lots of mayhem, uh, lots of mayhem uh, created, uh, and that's um, and, and that's what you're going to see. Uh, and so I think we're going to see a lot of that. Uh, and, and just the bottom line is, I mean, we're dealing with with petty people, immature people. That's what we're dealing with right here, uh, Julian. Absolutely. I mean, if you look at what happened with the COVID relief, there was nothing this man gained by failing to sign uh, a piece of legislation that his designees uh, basically negotiated with both Pelosi, with both sides. There was nothing for him to gain except for to get attention. I'm still the president, y'all, you know, Y'all are going to have to bow on me. And you saw people on both sides of the aisle literally begging him, please sign this. And he waited till the very last minute. Some people are going to lose at least a week of um, unemployment benefits. But this is all about him. We've, this has been all about him since he was sworn in in January of 2017. But the fact that he lost, which is just so, um, he can't stand it. And because he can't stand it, he's taking it out on the American people. The fact that he won't sign the military bill. I mean, they're not petty, Roland, is a very kind word for them. These people are destructive. They basically are salting the earth so that the Biden-Harris administration will have to come in and do cleanup from day one. Yep, that's exactly what you see going on. All right, folks. Y'all know what time it is. <laughs> No charcoal girls are allowed. I'm white. I got you, huh? I have consistently said on this show, it's really not wise of people whose skin has, has not been touched by nature's sun, to use the N-word to somebody who's black. You, you really shouldn't do that if you're also drunk. And the brother you're talking to is really big. So when I saw this video, I had no choice. I don't advocate violence. But I have no problem with hashtag team whip that ass showing up in this video. You're gonna pop up. I live on 400 Oxford two blocks away. I'm a, I, and you know it's crazy? You know it's crazy? I'm gonna walk to you. I'm gonna walk right to my house for you, bro. Oh, God, I'm not trying to disrespect you, bro. I'm not. I'm gonna say nigga all day, all every day. Are you kidding me? Where are you from, nigga? Where are you from? Where are you from? Them. Where the fuck you from? Here, nigga. You from here? Get the fuck out of here. You a clown, nigga. Oh, God, you a clown, nigga. You from here? You a clown. What, you gonna smack oh. me with that? Snap me with it. Snap me. 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 Snap
Yeah, you got yours, buddy. Throw me another fucking nigger. I don't give a fuck. Hey, man, you got you learned to get on this lesson, man. Call me another nigger. Call me another fucking nigger. Okay, 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 good, 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 good. I don't blame you, dude. You're good. You're good. Hey, I can do what I want. I had no problem with the outcome of that video, Julia. Me neither. I mean, I don't. Well, I won't say I don't advocate violence, but that was extremely appropriate violence. He should just hit him a few more times for, for the rest of us. That was the craziest thing I've seen, Roland, in a long time. What is wrong with these people? Do they truly think nobody is going to respond to their nonsense and their silliness? And I mean, he kept escalating. But that's what these people do. And they were told by their president. All, all I know that, is. All I know is this here, um, uh, Mustafa. Uh, the sound of a can smashing up against the flesh of a face elicits a rather loud noise. <laughs> it reminds me of uh, November 22nd, 1986. Uh, Tyson uh, versus Burick. And uh, when he just knocked him the hell out in that ring. You know, sometimes you just got to give some people some act right. You know, for, uh, folks get some alcohol, some liquor in them. Sometimes they think they got superpowers. Sometimes you got to help them remind them that, uh, you know, we got our own kryptonite uh, for racism and, and these types of actions where, where you think you can say and do anything to us. There it is. Yeah, you got yours, buddy. Yeah, I, 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 I'm telling you, I, I don't know, I, I, I don't know what, what, what these folk be thinking. I don't know. Matter of fact, I don't think uh, some of them actually uh, be thinking at all. But uh, you know what? I mean, if you stupid enough uh, to stand there uh, and and do that and to the brother's face, well, guess what? You stupid enough to stand there and get your ass whooped. And so uh, that's what happened right there. So that is our craziest white people uh, video of the day. All right, folks. Uh, we were out at the, uh, we were out at the uh, rally today. And, and I, I do this all the time because I just want to give y'all an understanding of, of, of what we do, uh, the type of work that we do. Uh, and why your support matters. And so a little bit earlier when we played the John Ossoff, Raphael Warnock um, video, you also saw me playing this drone video. Um, um, we, we were showing you when we live stream these rallies, we incorporate these drone shots actually into, uh, into our uh, coverage. And so uh, I do this because I like to show our supporters uh, what their dollars go to. Henry, go to my iPad. So this, this is the video right here, folks of a setup that we had out there today uh, at New Birth. And, and what you'll see there, you'll see me 
uh, flying the drone there. You see all of our equipment out there. Uh, when we go on the scene here, we are literally uh, with multiple cameras there. We have all of our gear. We have all these different things here. Uh, and our whole goal is to give you uh, a much better uh, production value for what we do. That's why uh, when we talk about uh, supporting us with Roland Martin Unfiltered, that's what we're talking about. And so when you support this show, you support us uh, being able to give you a high quality product uh, that is that is the same as, you know, and better than a lot of other places. And so that's why it's important. Uh, those of you who want to support what we do here at Roland Martin Unfiltered, you could join our Bring the Funk fan club by going to uh, Cash App, dollar sign RM Unfiltered. PayPal.me is forward slash RMartinUnfiltered. Venmo.com is uh, RM Unfiltered. You can support us via Zelle, Roland at RolandSMartin.com. You also have some people who want to support us via Square who don't want to use any of these platforms, but they want to use a credit card. Just go to RolandMartinUnfiltered.com to use Square as well. We certainly appreciate that. You can also send, send us a money order to New Vision Media, NU Vision Media Inc. 1625 K Street Northwest, Suite 400, Washington, D.C., 2006. And so uh, we have been, uh, like I say, here in Atlanta, Georgia, on the ground. Uh, yesterday, folks, literally, we landed yesterday. Uh, they had the John Ossoff event yesterday where he was uh, actually joining some various, uh, some black artists uh, who were painting signs and murals as well. Uh, that was one of the things that they were doing yesterday. Uh, that was one of the events that we live streamed. Pastor Raphael Warnock, as I said, uh, he held uh, two particular, uh, he held two events uh, on yesterday as well. And so we had the opportunity uh, to, uh, to live stream that. And so the technology that we're using, uh, you know, we want to be, we're doing what, frankly, other black media is not doing. And that is remaining on the cutting edge, giving you the kind of content uh, that you're not necessarily going to see uh, elsewhere because we believe it's important for us to control our voice, to control our destiny, for us to be able to control the narrative. And so that's why we do uh, what we do. As I said yesterday, uh, John Ossoff uh, had uh, this particular event uh, with uh, these various black artists. Uh, this here, folks, this video you're seeing right here, yeah, some of the work that we did uh, shot yesterday, one of our freelancers here in Atlanta shot yesterday. Uh, and that's why we're here. We're not here just to sit here uh, and and just just say, hey, we're here sitting uh, in a house. No, we're about we're out there on the ground. So we covered three events yesterday. We had two events today. As I said, tomorrow I am going to be in Albany, Georgia on the ground there. Doors, a lot opens at 1.30. We're going to have a rally from 2 to 4. I'm going to be getting there early, going to be visiting places in Albany, Georgia. Uh, we're going to be hearing from some of those uh, some of those voters and we're looking forward to that. Hearing from them, we're going to be in Savannah, Georgia on Wednesday. And so that's why we do what we do. But your support absolutely matters. Uh, we are around 16,000 people who are members of our Bring the Funk fan club. Our goal that we set by December 31st is to have 20,000 fan club members. You can join right now. Your dollars go to support this show. Your dollars go to support uh, what we do every single day to bring you the kind of news uh, that's important. We were going to talk about the video of the young black man who was accosted 
by a white woman over the iPhone. Uh, the father confirmed with us to be on the show today, uh, but we had some issues, and so hopefully we'll have him on the show tomorrow. So I'm going to have that video for you. I promise that video, but we are going to have that video and that conversation with, um, with uh, Keon tomorrow. Keon is a uh, trumpeter with Maxwell. Uh, and so uh, we hope to have him on the show tomorrow. But this is why we do what we do, the ability to be able uh, to speak truth to power and for us to, as a black-owned media company, to be able to cover the issues that matter to you. And so please uh, stand with us. Join our Bring the Funk fan club. Again, cash app, dollar sign, RM Unfiltered. PayPal.me is forward slash RMart Unfiltered. Venmo.com is uh, Venmo.com forward slash RM Unfiltered. Zell is rolling at RolandSMartin.com. Uh, you can, of course, uh, use Square at RolandMartinUnfiltered.com. You can also uh, send us a money order. New Vision Media, Inc., 1625 K Street, Northwest, Suite 400, Washington, D.C., 2006. You watch the show here. If you want to listen to the audio podcast of this show, simply go to the iHeartRadio app, download the Roland Martin Unfiltered podcast, and we would greatly appreciate that as well. Folks, I've got to go. I will see you guys tomorrow from Albany, Georgia, as we continue the countdown to January 5th, and that is the Senate runoff here in Georgia. John Ossoff versus Senator Kelly Loeffler. Uh, sorry, John Ossoff versus Senator David Perdue. Pastor Raphael Warnock versus Senator Kelly Loeffler. And we'll uh, have more of that tomorrow right here on Roller Martin Unfiltered. Y'all take care. Holla! I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. This is Ashley Iconetti from the Ben and Ashley I Almost Famous podcast. Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect.